Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is the Pixar Sciatica Podcast. But let's talk about stretching. It's an activity that we elongate a muscle, open up a joint. It's something that we need to do. Is it something that's beneficial or could it actually be hurting us? And today we're going to answer that question. And today's guest, we have Mr. Yogi Aaron, a yoga specialist, but an instructor of this uh, amazing modality and tool. I've heard some really positive reviews about. And today we're going to talk about stretching, yoga, and also how to actually improve flexibility and overcome some of the pain that you listeners might be dealing with that is outside the typical methods of stretching. So Yogi Aaron, thank you so much for being on today's episode. Thank you for having me, Ashley. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's uh, the pleasure is all mine. I'm really excited and I totally messed up on creating the intro. So I'm going to go ahead and just introduce you listeners to who uh, Yogi Aaron is. So Yogi Aaron is a trailblazing yoga teacher who is leading a global rebellion against the harmful practice of stretching. He pioneered the groundbreaking approach to yoga that shows people how to live pain-free by activating muscles through applied yoga anatomy plus muscle activation. In a world where conventional stretching and flexibility practices are are the prescribed norm for pain, Yogi Aaron's unorthodox method provides a safer, more effective, permanent solution. What sets him apart is his wisdom, infectious humor, adventurous spirit, and personal healing journey, which distinguishes him as a beloved leader in the yoga community and at his Blue Osa yoga retreat in Costa Rica. That was, after reading that before recording i was so impressed and i was so excited to meet you yogi aaron can you tell us a little bit more beyond that um just so that we can yeah feel even more in touch with you well i have been teaching yoga since i was about 18 uh it wasn't like it wasn't a straight line it was a very curvy and weavy line i never you know in thought I would be a yoga teacher. That wasn't really in my lane, but I got into yoga because I, like a lot of people just started having a lot of tight muscles. So I thought, well, I should stretch, you know, because stretching is supposed to make you younger and healthier. And then as I got into the practice, it just started to call to me more as I said, I, I got into a lot of other things like scuba diving. I got into, I was, I was in the health industry for a long time, doing health coaching and fitness training and, you know, just all kinds of things. But there was one point when I, I went to a yoga class and it was with a special teacher from Los Angeles, Brian Kest. And I just, the light, a light bulb went on and I was like, this is what I'm meant to do. So that kind of fueled me to venture into this world of yoga. Shortly after that, I ended up in New York uh, for 10 years and started kind of a men's uh, yoga underground movement, which is a whole other story. 
And from there, I opened up a yoga studio in New York and then met my business partner, uh, who was a student at the time, but then he was with me on a retreat in Costa Rica and we saw this beautiful property and we decided to open up a yoga retreat center. So I've been doing that since for the last 14, 15 years now, since 2010. And that's kind of where I'm at, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> that's, a, that's an amazing journey. And look at it, before we started recording and when we reached out to, to get recording, you yes. have a very unique experience um, with sciatopy that you've gone through. And it, like throughout your entire journey, dealing with this pain was also a stepping stone to understanding what you know of today. So would you be able to share with us your sciatica pain journey? Yeah, absolutely. I So, you know, I got into yoga. When I refer to yoga at that time, it was really about stretching. For me, it wasn't a spiritual practice. And and I just wanted to stretch. And so I thought, well, you know, going to a class once a week where I focus on stretching, it's going to be better that, than nothing. And then, I, and then I slowly progressed and did more and more. But one of the things that happened to me shortly after I started doing stretching yoga was I really hurt my back. And to the point where I was really incapacitated. I was 18. I remember it so clearly because I was thinking to myself, I'm 18, like I should not be having this kind of old body. Like people that are are older have back problems, not somebody who's 18. And an interesting thing kind of happened simultaneously. I think it's interesting that I started developing an ego and identity around, I'm a person with back pain. And so that's kind of how I presented myself whenever I would go to yoga teachers or anybody who was a movement specialist or in the healing world, like I have back pain. So that was kind of interesting looking back at that. Then I remember the first time I, I had sciatic pain, I was around 28, 29. And I, I believe I had a micro tear of my hamstring in my left leg. And as I was healing from that, I ended up developing this intense sciatic pain on my left side. And so that was kind of an interesting uh, moment. I don't know to the degree I had it. I had some people explain to me it was like ghost sciatica, but it was my first introduction to what that could feel like. And as I went along, I started developing other issues on both legs. And, you know, the solution was always the same. I'd go to a yoga teacher and say, I've got this tightness, I have lower back problems, I have pain in my hips. Well, we need to open your hips. We need to stretch deeper. And I'm like thinking sometimes, you know, how deep am I supposed to go? Like I'm going pretty deep already, you know? And so anyways, I had dealt with a lot of chronic pain in my body. It wasn't just sciatic pain. It, there, I had intense shoulder pain and neck pain. So about 25 years after doing this, I ended up finally <laughs> in the emergency room of a hospital <laughs> where an orthopedic surgeon came up to me and said, we might need to end up doing a spinal fusion in your lower back. You've got a herniated disc, which is pressing into your nerves and causing you know, all of these problems. And to date, I haven't had that surgery. I immediately then shifted 
And I realized I need to learn something more about, you know, the body, what is stretching actually doing to me? And that kind of took me down this journey of studying muscle activation technique, uh, where I started to understand for the first time in my life, muscle function, the purpose of muscles, what they're supposed to do. I mean, we think we, we know, but we don't. A lot of us, I'm speaking to the people specifically in the yoga world. Um, we don't really understand muscle function and we don't know how to make it better. And what I realized is stretching was making the problems worse and that what I needed to do is activate those muscles to get them to support the joints of my body properly. This episode is brought to you by the Patient Advocate Program. Are you tired of not having support between your rehab sessions? Introducing the Patient Advocate Program, and we're focused on your recovery, and we're offering you 24-7 access to a doctorate of physical therapy. Stop waiting in line to be seen, and stop spending hours doing long exercise programs. Imagine being able to get all of your care delivered straight to your phone. Best of all, it's affordable. We believe everyone deserves top-notch relief without breaking the bank. So why wait? Take control of your health today and visit PT Patient Advocate advocate.com and book your free call with our experts. Yeah, what a journey. I, what You know, it's really interesting. Um, and I'm, I'm glad that you didn't go through that surgery because it looks like you're really healthy and you're doing well now. As a physical therapist, I found it to be extremely interesting that you had a severe, we'll say a severely herniated disc and they recommended a fusion because oftentimes yeah. fusions are often recommended when there's a presence of instability. And mm -hmm. you're, if you just, if you just had a herniated disc and there wasn't an anterior slippage or like all these other signs, I'm sitting here scratching my head being like, why were you recommending this surgery in the first place? So it's always really interesting. And I'm glad that, that you went through that journey because it's a very special journey. Um, and a lot of people when considering surgeries, in some cases, you're going to go to 10 different surgeons and you, like based on their expertise and get 10 different things. And yeah. that's where it becomes extremely challenging to figure out, well, which one should be the best for me? And I'm so glad that it led you to discovering the muscle activation technique because as I was studying, and I'm not an expert in muscle activation technique, but when I did a little bit more research, it made a lot of sense in regards to yeah. what I know in regards to how the body moves. So I'm really, really excited. We'll take a deep dive into talking a little bit more about that today. But um, what really got me intrigued when you reached out, when you're talking about yoga, right? Yogi Aaron is, is your name. And uh, a lot of what people think about in regards to the yoga world is stretching. But what yes. you say is stretching can in fact be harmful. And I think when people hear stretching, I think that there's probably like a general consensus, but for the listeners out there, how would you describe what stretching means? Sure. So stretching to most people means this passive elongation of muscles. People have it in their mind that muscles need to be long to open up ranges of motion in their body. And there's this guy out there who has this yoga school called yoga body. So he, he has like, he's in his feed. Cause I, I see all of his stuff coming up on my Facebook feed. And one of the things I notice, and, and it's not just him, it's a lot of people that you should have, you should be able to do these, they call them mobility tests. And I almost feel like we should call them shaming tests because like, how much how much mobility do we really need to have and why should i have 
that mobility that you think you should have. Like, so for me on this journey, I just want to back up a second and just say, like, one of the things I've come to realize is there's there's a certain functionality that I need to have in my body. I need to be able to bend over to pick something up off the ground. If I can't, I should bend my knees a bit. I should be able to reach for the shampoo bottle on the shelf in the shower so I can wash my hair. And I, by the way, I specifically said that because one time I did that, my whole upper back seized up on me, which is a whole other story. So we should be able to do these kind of like natural things. And we've kind of got it into our heads that we have to be able to put our foot behind our head to be happy, which isn't never going to lead us to more happiness. <laughs> One of the, the first episode of my podcast series is how much flexibility do you need to have to be happy? So a lot of people think like yoga is a practice to stretch and that you need to stretch and open up, you know, and have these different ranges of motion. But what stretching actually does is it cuts that um, neuromuscular connection. So there's a telephone line between your brain and your muscles. And so when you stretch, when you passively elongate a muscle beyond its end range of motion, well, even if you passively move it, just, just passively moving a period, you're going to cut that that connection between the brain and the muscle. And you might think, well, why is that important? Well, what happens then is that the muscle loses its ability to contract and contract on demand. So when you need that muscle, it will not be able to work optimally. And if that muscle is not working optimally, your body is always going to go from point A to point B, no matter what. You're, you're, we're, we're amazing creatures of compensation. But now you're starting to use muscles that your body, that, that you have no business using. Like if you bend over and pick something up, you should be using your core muscles. Your core muscles should be contracting. But a lot of us don't have core muscles that are contracting properly. So then our body starts to rely on our back muscles. But if our back muscles aren't working properly, guess what happens? Then the, our back seizes up. <laughs> so, so then we start to develop muscle tightness and, and it can, that can show up in many different ways. And one of the most interesting things to me, especially in the yoga world, but even in, in a lot of the movement worlds, is that nobody really ever addresses muscle tightness. What is the cause of muscle tightness? And so muscle tightness is just a protective mechanism. So when I was like trying to stretch out my tightness when I was 18, what I should have been doing was dealing with the causes of why those muscles were tight to begin with, dealing with the instability and why my body was tightening up to begin with. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. And I, I like to look at uh, muscles themselves. And when it comes to trying to stretch out a, a tight muscle or what, what yoga was describing that neuromuscular connection, um, there is the, the, the term, they call it Golgi tendon organs, AKA GTOs. Mm -hmm. And they're actually placed in the, um, the tendons of, of our, of our muscles. And when you apply a long stretch, it, as, as Yoke Aaron said, it actually sends a signal to our bodies and our brain and our spinal cord, and it will actually result in that muscle relaxing. And the reality is we need, you don't want a relaxed muscle. You want a muscle that will function normally. And when a muscle is relaxed significantly, it's not going to operate efficiently and it puts a lot of pressure on various different aspects. So as I was listening to your episodes, 
year and i was writing notes i was like uh-huh uh-huh man that's absolutely right <laughs> and, 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 and i i think what a lot of people uh, i see or observe that a lot of people think that stretch and they're like oh yeah this thing feels tight so i need to stretch it and you you hit the nail on the head we have to figure out why is it tight in the first place i actually just worked with a, a client this morning and they were experiencing a lot of pain when they were sitting but like aside from that the rest of their life was fine we actually identified mm-hmm. that her pure performance was actually quite tight and so mm-hmm. we could out like one we're going to do a little bit of mobilization to kind of just improve the the movement of it. But we're not doing a stretch, um, but also trying to figure out well, why was this piriformis muscle tense in the first place? Was it because of mm-hmm. trauma? We start asking these questions and it's actually when you start asking these questions where you start to get a better idea and be able to say, what can we do to fix it? Yeah. And so I love that approach. Like really, really a huge fan, right? So people look at it, it's like, okay, elongation. And I think, yeah, when people look at yoga, they think about a lot about stretching, right? And so uh, yeah. you have you you have a yoga retreat, so you're still part of the yoga practice. But for the listeners out there, if they were to imagine, what are some of these yoga poses that would be that you would consider more of like a stretch, um, stretching position, which might actually be a little harmful or can, can counterproductive mm-hmm. when it comes to recovering through stuff like sciatica. So I want to come to your question, but I also want to say something first, because a lot of people think, so a big, big thing about what I'm trying to do is flip the script and flip the script in terms of yoga and stretching um, and, and, and kind of cutting that because in, in all of the yoga scriptures, there's no mention of the word stretching or flexibility. There's nothing, zero, zilch. No matter how many people try and tell you differently, there's no mentions of it. And, but what there is a mention of is the qualities of a posture. And so I normally give an hour talk on this, but I'll, I'll try and bring it to 30 seconds. So there's two qualities of posture. The first one is stillness and stability. And you being a physiotherapist can understand the importance of stability. You know, and and what does the stability mean biomechanically? It means that a muscle has the ability to contract and contract on demand properly. So that's part of this idea of stability. Stability is another 30-day topic. We could break it down, you know, for 30 days and have a lot of discussions about it. But then the second quality is easy and effortless. Um, so that we're going through life with this idea of stability and effortless. And that's what yoga postures should be teaching us at the end of the day. And so where muscle activation comes into it is like the way that I teach specifically is it we're teaching people how to get to that place of stability through effortless and ease. And, and you know, biomechanically, the muscle activation really is more effective if we're in that parasympathetic state. So it works really well with yoga because we're trying to get people into that rest and digest state so we can reduce stress, you know, reduce inflammation and start to rebuild and refortify, reconnect that neuromuscular connection. I, there are some yoga postures that I will not teach anymore. Um, one of them is a cult uh, classic, uh, <laughs> which is 
child's pose. A lot of people are like horrified that I say that, but it's one of the worst poses that you can do to your body. And since we're talking about uh, disc herniation in relationship to sciatica, a lot of people are already sitting in that flexed state in their lower back. If you're sitting, you know, and you're kind of slouching, you're exacerbating any kind of like flexion in your lower back. Well, what do you do? Then you go to yoga class and do this kind of like flex pose and you hold it there for a long time. That's number one. Number two, you're also now shutting down like five major groups of muscles. One of them is the hip flexors, sorry, the, the hip extensors, the back extensors. So all your back muscles and hip muscles in, in the back body are over lengthening. So it's already having a negative effect there. And the other group of muscles or the group of postures that I tend to stay away from is any kind of what we sometimes call hip openers. And so any kind of like pigeon pose or, or any kind of like hip opener, we just stay away from them. And what I do focus on though, is like a lot of yoga teachers, like will focus on the side that is opening. So if you come into a forward fold, then we're looking at opening. This is the word that a lot of yoga people use opening the, hamstrings and opening the back muscles, but that's not what's moving the body. What's moving the body, of course, is the muscles in the front body. If we're folding forward, the muscles in the front body have to contract properly. If they're not contracting properly, it shows up as tightness in the back and then tightness in the hamstrings. So I kind of approach a lot of yoga postures with a two-prong two approach. The first prong is if I'm going into a forward fold, number one, we need to get all of the muscles activated that should be shortening properly. So we want to improve that neuromuscular connection between the muscles in, you know, between the brain and the muscles that should be shortening. And then the second prong approach is we're not really looking to go to what some people might call full range of motion. Like if we're doing a standing forward fold, the goal isn't to get the hands to the floor. In fact, I actually tell students, don't put your hands on the floor. Well, I don't say that. Say, put your hands on your hips or put your hands on behind your back. Sometimes I'll have them clasp their hands and then I'll say, keep the spine elongated. Now, everybody only come forward 10 degrees. Now come forward 20 degrees. Now come forward 30 degrees. Now stay there, breathe. And then sometimes I'll have people come up with the breath and then go back down with the breath, come up with the breath. So now we're moving dynamically. We're moving slowly. And, and as a physiotherapist, you'll appreciate that because when we're moving slowly, what are we starting to now strengthen? Our slow twitch muscle fibers. All of those slow twitch muscle fibers are starting to get, become strong. From a physiological standpoint, those muscles need to be strong. Those muscle fibers, sorry, need to be strong in order for us to create stability. And the problem with a lot of people doing this kind of fast yoga or fast exercise is you're only exercising the slow, sorry, the fast twitch muscle fibers. And so if you're only exercising those, then you're never really addressing 
the part of our muscular system that is um, stabilizing our muscles and our, our, I'm sorry, our bones and joints properly. So that's kind of how I approach yoga. I'm, I also just want to add one more thing. I'm very much a traditionalist in the world of yoga, believe it or not. I, I, when I teach yoga, I teach as authentically as possible. Um, I just don't teach stretching. But as I mentioned earlier, stretching has nothing to do with yoga. So I'm in a good lane. <laughs> well, I, you know, I really appreciate that. Um, there, there are a couple of things that you, you said that I found to be extremely powerful. Um, number one, you've said, you've said this multiple times today about the, the neuromuscular system. And so what's really yep. interesting, listeners, is that the neuromuscular system, another way to say it, it's the mind-body connection, is the ability yep. for us to actually recruit the muscles. And even if you're standing there doing a bicep curl, What's really interesting is that, okay, maybe in your consciousness, you're just actively con contracting your bicep. But what's really interesting is that as you are lifting that weight, every other muscle in your body is contracting to stabilize. And muscles do not function uh, in isolation. And so mm -hmm. having the optimal mind-body connection allows us to recruit all the necessary muscles that are necessary for, for just normal function. So I really appreciate that you brought that up. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yogi Aaron, because a lot of people overlook that. We often, us, and especially as, a, as an American culture, one, we categorize exercise as a specific activity. And mm -hmm. from there, in addition to that categorizing it as a specific activity, we often dissociate ourselves from the activity at hand. And this mm -hmm. is one of, the, one of the three things three powerful things that I love about yoga because I remember learning yoga, the teachings of Patanjali, right? Um, a large part of it was like, if you're breathing, you're practicing yoga, right? You're conscious, you're practicing. You have all these various, like very focused things. And I think what's the most important that a lot of people lose when they're going to do yoga, any sort of fast switch. So they have this outer body experience. They're like, the moment I step through this door, I get to shut my brain off and do it. And just like, yeah. no, like, this is the perfect time for you to concentrate on this specific activity. Boom, strengthening that mind-body connection. So I really appreciate that, Yogi Aaron. I love that you said that. I always tell my students, like, your yoga is not about blissing out. People always say, like, I just want to check out of myself. And it's actually the complete opposite. It's about checking into yourself. It's getting into your mind. It's being completely present. And, you know, forget about bliss. Like, don't go to yoga class to bliss out. You can, there's so many other ways you can just bliss out. You know, we, we don't need to talk about those here. But there's, you can bliss out very easily. Yoga is actually about concentrating your mind. And, it's through the concentration of your mind that gives you that profound, there's so many words you could describe it, but I don't like using bliss because it diminishes it, but that, that 
connection to the sacred, that connection to self, that that ability to penetrate past the veil of life. It's you have to become concentrated. And if you just go to the bliss all the time, you end up developing a lazy mind that becomes confused. So I love that you said that and that we're reinforcing that idea that actually yoga is a practice to get the mind become wanting, be, help the mind or train the mind to become one pointed. Absolutely. And, you know, a large part of it is the intention on, on, on all these things. And what's really cool, um, I mean, there's definitely a lot of research on benefits of yoga, but I think what often a lot of people think of yoga is just like the postures, the stretches. But um, one thing as we're, you know, as we're discussing the yoga practice or yo your yoga practice is the, the concept of, of mindfulness and mindfulness mm -hmm. itself what's really cool is that there's a lot of research that actually supports the practice of mindfulness and it's uh, positive effects on, on stuff like chronic pain. And so it's a very beneficial thing to be able to have that. Um, so we were talking about like some of these postures that were mm -hmm. often thought, okay, th there's a lot of, th they were originally believed to have benefit of various different structures. But as we discussed today, when it comes to stretching, we're looking at it ends up deactivating a lot of muscles, making it not function properly. And as a result, we can actually experience tightness here and there. And the interesting thing is the muscle tightness is a sensation, uh, is a sensation in regards to you can say, oh, this muscle feels tight. Muscles can often feel tight for two major reasons. No number one, the muscle is either truly in a shortened position. Like mm -hmm. say oftentimes people have really tight pecs and shoulders because the majority of their day, everything is in the middle and they're looking at their phones. So their shoulders are structurally tight, the pecs themselves. But then on the other end, muscle, muscles can feel tight because they're just perpetually stretched, right? And so this, mm -hmm. you, you go on the opposite side, of the shoulder blade, we spend the majority of our time with our shoulders forward. Our voids, our lower trap are stretched out for a longer period of time and they're going to feel tight because it's a protective mechanism. But what's really mm. interesting, you know, we go get massages and the first thing that they're going to do is they're going to push on your shoulder blade and then they're going to dig their elbows in and they're like, oh my gosh, and then, and then I often, when I go to massage, I'll often ask, can you work on my pecs? Can you work on my hip flexors? Can you work on my calves? And mm -hmm. they'll spend 30 seconds on those areas because everyone is just so ingrained to work on like the upper back muscles, the low back muscles. These muscles are already tight to be tight, quote unquote tight, because they're already stretched out. So when it comes to your like muscle activation, we're looking at actually having very purposeful and conscious movement. So um, we were talking about how child's pose wasn't the greatest um, forward mm -hmm. fold with an emphasis on uh, sustaining that lumbar flexion. In regards to some of the positions that you implement, what are some of the yeah, what are some of the positions that you find be quite safe and effective, especially when it comes to having to manage stuff like tight hips, low back pain, sciatica pain, you know, given your experience? Sure. I mean, so again, I, you you said something very profound that the tightness is the result of a protective mechanism. And I would kind of, I don't know. So like you're using, you're talking about the pecs earlier and that people's pecs become in a tightened state. And then you said the word shortened muscle 
I don't know if the muscle is is shortened that much. I mean, definitely when a muscle is tight, it's it is shortening. There's no doubt about that. But the problem, and, and you alluded to it, is the traps. And so a lot of people's traps end up doing the work of the pecs and the work of um, the sternalis and a lot of muscles, you know, in the front body, the serratus, because these muscles are no longer working. They're no longer supporting the front body. So these muscles tighten up. And then you've also got the traps that have tightened up as a response. And so now we're a mess. And, and the solution to that mess with a lot of people is to go and stretch them. But the, what would be a better solution is to get the traps starting to work. Uh, one of my favorite yoga postures, um, it's a yoga posture. It's also a muscle activation is lying on the floor, uh, bring the arms out to the sides like you've got, you know, like a T, and then just lift the chest up as high as you can and squeeze the arms up to the sky. Now you're engaging your middle traps. Now, if you bring your arms forward like a V and drive your thumbs up, now you're in lower traps. And so those are actually two muscle activations I teach um, a lot of. And so if you get those muscles working, it's going to start to quote unquote release the pecs. Now, why is that? Well, muscles always work in pairs. So there's a muscle that's engaging, a muscle that's contracting, and then a muscle that's uh, releasing. And so if we get the traps to start working properly, the pecs will, will elongate naturally. Um, and it, that's really important. Like for me, when I was, uh, 18 and I got into yoga stretching because I had horribly tight hamstrings. Well, as a side note, in 25 years, never once did a yoga teacher come up to me and say, your hamstrings are tight because your body's protecting itself. It's protecting itself because the opposite muscles are not contracting properly. So the opposite muscles are the hip flexors, um, and then, of course, the quads, you know, the knee extensors. And so the solution to my tight hamstrings, and I would say in many respects, I have more range of motion today than I've ever had, and I don't stretch. But I work on asking myself, where, where is the source of that tightness? And so one of the clues, it's not the only clue, but one of the clues is to start looking at the opposite muscles. And... So if, if, again, with the hamstrings, if my hamstrings are tight, which is a signal that my body is in a protective state, that my, my, you know, my hips are not stabilized, probably in connection with my lower back, then I need to start activating my hip flexors. Um, so pain is also an interesting thing because in a lot of yoga classes, you hear like, you know, ride the edge of pain. Uh, or sometimes you even hear push through the pain, but pain is the check engine light of the car coming on, of your body coming on saying, danger, Will Robinson, danger, <laughs> you know, we need to address something is not right. And so pain is telling us, hey, there's something that's not right here. There's an instability going on. How we can find that instability is start looking at where is there tightness in the body? Where is the tightness showing up? And the tightness is telling you the body is protecting itself in that place, in that area of the body, because 
there's an instability there. Um, so if we start to address that, then we can start to address the instability. And that's what I kind of shoot to do or, or aim to do uh, in my yoga classes. I actually went to my chiropractor. This happened literally very recently, like in, about a week ago. And he was digging into the QL of my body on my right side with his elbow. And I was like, oh, my God, please. And I said, why are you focused on this? Because he, he did that like the week before when I saw him. And he said, well, it's, it's because, you know, your left side is so tight. Or no, sorry. He said, your right side is tightening up. And it would have been fascinating. You know, I wish that more movement specialists understood like, okay, the right side is tight and you're trying to dig into it with your elbow what would actually happen if we got the left side activated? And so it would have been really cool to see like, okay, if we got the left side activated, what would have happened to, to the right side? So we use the, the tightness as a way to go into the body and, and deal with the instability. Yeah, it seems as if like you're taking this tightness as a form of information, right? And so from that information, you can, you can decide... Yeah. On, on what you can do, um, you know, in regards to the the positions or activation techniques to complete, you you brought up multiple times in in even over the past twenty minutes about this concept of instability, and I think mm -hmm. a lot of people misunderstand what instability truly is. So we didn't really get a chance today to actually talk about what instability is. So from your perspective, how, how would you describe what instability is? So <laughs> I feel like that's a loaded, loaded question. Um, not that you're intending it to be a loaded question. It just is a loaded question. Um, but, but let's stick with the topic of muscles, you know, muscle function. So the definition of instability is a muscle that does not have the ability to contract and contract on demand. And you know, one of the symptoms I think of knowing that you've got instability is pain. So a lot of people like hip pain or lower back pain, that's an instability because the muscles are not supporting the joints of that area of the body properly. And so the result is stress and the result of stress is inflammation and inflammation is what gives us pain. The most fascinating thing is I've had so many people come, you know, either to me as a yoga teacher, these, you know, since I've started doing this, or as a muscle activation technique therapist, which is also what I do. And I get them on the table, get their muscles working. And the most fascinating thing to me, and I see this happen time and time again, is when we get the muscles working, aka they're doing their job, they're creating stability in those joints. The, the inflammatory process, sometimes it stops right away because there's no more stress in that joint. And it, that is just fascinating to me to see that happen. I actually had a client who had sciatica and he, he came in to walk through my door, hunched over, limping, um, you know, and he was just saying like how he had been dealing with this pain, like intense pain for a couple of months. And he was just at the end of his rope. And I worked on him and I said, 
I'm not promising anything. I always like to set the bar low. <laughs> I'm not promising anything. But after he got up, he was like, there's no more pain. And, and just for your listeners to know what I did, I basically focused on his hip flexors. So as major, iliacus, you know, the rectus femoris, you know, all of those kinds of muscles that are operating on the hips. I got all of those working. I also worked on some of his back extensor muscles and his lumbar spine and turned them all on. And it's just like now he he had more stability. And so that's what we're talking about in stability. Muscles have two jobs. They need to they move bones and they stabilize joints. And so in order to do that, they need to be able to contract, shorten uh, properly, contract and contract on demand. I like that. Yeah, it's um great, great definition. And and I did not intend to make it sound like a loaded question. I just thought it would be a, a great opportunity for us to be able to just see what everyone <laughs> says. Because I um what's really interesting and, and your last piece about muscles have two main purposes, which is to move something or to stabilize something, right? And so I often mm -hmm. like to think that muscles, um, so muscles have, uh, to me, they, they have, there's an extra function to the, the muscles. So we have like facilitate movement, which is move bone. Uh, we also have something to resist motion, uh, which is a sure. stabilizing point. Um, and then just from my personal perspective, it's the third piece is having things move uh, in a coordinated fashion. So I often describe mm -hmm. it as core, core like coordination. So making sure that everything moves in the right symphony, just like with driving, you need to make sure that every piece of engine is operating well in order for you to go across, or even if you're listening to uh, music, like an orchestra, you need to make sure that the symphony, like the symphony is working all together and even having one musician like musical instrument that is like flat that that kind of messes up the whole thing and so i really do appreciate you know Yaren, how you're describing this use of stability and how something like a muscle activation technique stretching can be very yeah. useful when it comes to restoring function so that these muscles can operate efficiently and i noticed that it's significant yeah. with the people that i work with is that oftentimes muscles are working too hard or they're not working hard enough. And so those are two very inefficient mechanisms, right? And so if we can restore the balance where everything is actually operating the way that they should, then it, it, it leads to pain relief and improved function. And so yeah. I always want people to leave these episodes with some sort of action step. So when it comes to muscle activation or a yoga pose what is one safe low barrier way for someone to experiment or try something on their own upon leaving this episode well there's kind of two two things that people can do and just for the record everything that i teach one i always say the first axiom of a yama applied yoga anatomy and muscle activation which is what I've created, mere bringing in the muscle activation with yoga. The first axiom is less is more. <laughs> so when we're looking at stimulating that neuromuscular connection, we don't need to apply like force. It's not like we're trying to hit something. Um, it's just a little bit of stimulation. So this is going to get a little technical, but it's where the muscle meets the bone, the intrafusal muscle fibers. 
We're trying to stimulate those intrafusal muscle fibers. We do that by shortening, actively shortening the muscle. And that's what starts to stimulate this gamma motor neuron coactivation. It sends messages to the uh, nervous system. Hey, we need to contract. And the nervous system sends back a message. Okay, contract. So there's this connection and it happens, of course, at lightning speed. And, And as you beautifully said, there's this symphony, um, an orchestra of an orchestra of ha- playing a symphony in the body, and everything is just moving beautifully. That's the sign of a healthy body. That's the sign of of a muscular system, you know, that's working properly. So, having said that, there's two uh, poses that um, will start this process, and and. Everybody always asks me, like, what is the number one pose you should do? So this is my belief um, that if we look at how we age in the body, we always like hunch over. So the best thing to do would be to start doing some sort of back bend. And the, one of the best back bends uh, to do is one that everybody hates because it's hard. But um, lying down on the stomach, uh, on the floor with your hands beside you, not in front. A lot of people put the hands in front. That's a whole different pose. Um, So bring the hands down beside your waist and then just lift the legs and the chest up as high as you can. Now, I, I wanna emphasize, the reason why I said the less is more and I went on a whole spiel about that is because people that have sciatic pain, this could actually be painful for them. Um, And so, the thing is, is that, you know, I've actually healed myself from sciatic pain. Um, and there's a couple of things that I've done uh, for that. But this pose plays an integral role. But at the moment when my if my back is spasming, and I'm trying to do this pose, it can actually hurt a lot. So all you're trying to do is just maybe lift the legs and the chest half an inch off the ground, or a quarter of an inch even. And if you bring your hands behind your back and place them on your back, when you do that, you'll actually feel your back muscles engage. Uh, you'll feel specifically the long gissimus. You'll even feel the QL kind of shorten a bit. And um, even some of the deeper muscles in the spinous process, the multifidus. So you can feel those muscles starting to engage. And that is enough to start sending signals to the nervous system hey we're here and it will start to rebuild that neuromuscular connection so if, if it's really challenging for you just remember less is more but do it <laughs> you have to do it and every day you'll just start to get stronger and stronger and stronger um, the second pose is just a simple hack to activate your trunk flexors. So a lot of people have sciatic issues because their core muscles aren't stabilizing the trunk and spine properly. And then of course, if the trunk and spine isn't stabilized, then the hips um, are kind of unstable. So this is a great way to begin stabilizing or activating the, the trunk flexors as well as the hip flexors. So simple, just bring the knees above your hips, your line on your back, sorry you bend the knees and then you lift the legs off the ground, you lift your feet off the ground, just bring your knees above your hips, then bring your hands to your knees 
and then just press the knees into the hands. And as you do that, that's the key thing, knees to hands, not hands to knees. You want to press knees to hands. And if you do that for six seconds and hold it and then just release and, and relax for a moment and then do it again. And so the key with muscle activation is six seconds, six times. So repeat that and do that every single day. If you did that every single day after 30 days, you'll have a new back. <laughs> These are really great nuggets, Yogi Aaron. It's um, yeah, really insightful. And I'm learning all the really cool stuff too, which I'm so happy to because I'm always using this platform to be able to share more knowledge uh, with the listeners of things that are beyond what I know. So I really appreciate yes. the time that you've taken today and the action steps and the knowledge that you brought. There are going to be some listeners who are going to be like, oh my gosh, Yogi Aaron, these tips are really helpful. I want to learn a little bit more about you and everything that you got going on. So what is the best way for the listeners to get in touch with you? I would, I will definitely go to get my book on Amazon, which is called Stop Stretching. <laughs> and um, so there's only one Stop Stretching book out there. So you, it shouldn't be too hard to find. But the other way is go to my website, yogiaron.com, and there's pathways for people to begin accessing a lot of, I have a ton of free content, um, the book, and then people can find out how to work with me from there. Uh, but they can begin living their best pain-free life. I mentioned to you before we were talking that I really respected your work, and I think it's really important that there's more people like us out there to share with people, you know, easy solutions, you know, these aren't, these aren't really mind blowing rock, you know, um, uh, crazy out there solutions that cost thousands of dollars. It's just stuff that people can do in their own home. And I think that, um, you know, my goal is to help people live their best pain free life because people don't have to be in pain. So get plugged in, go to yogiaron.com. There's a lot of stuff and you'll find a solution to your pain. I'm so pumped. Listeners, if you did not get a chance to write that down, I'm actually going to be all the links into the show notes today. Yogi Aaron, it was such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's been a great conversation. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you got some help from today's podcast. And for more info, check us out at ifixyoursciatica.com. Have a fantastic and pain-free day. No patient-therapist relationship is formed by listening to this podcast. We are not providing medical advice, and all information should be confirmed by a medical provider. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.